2: hello hello and welcome to another live episode of the Butterfly Evolution show. Rodney, are you there with us? Are you on?
0: I am here and ready to go.
2: All right then I'm gonna turn it over to you tonight. Um, I'll get the, my trash can thing in maybe in the middle of the show when we have everybody kind of signed in and on just for a quick break or at the end of the show, we'll kind of get all of our things in uh, sometime during the show, but I quickly want to just remind everybody, to select the number one, if you have a question or a comment, if you're listening um, by phone, if you called into the show, select the number one only if you have a comment or a question. And for those of you, the chat line who's listening online, the chat line is open, up and ready, so you can also submit your questions or comments there. So we're just going to move right into um, tonight's topic. So let's just do it.
0: Good evening, and w- and welcome to. Everyone who is tuned in tonight, uh, first of all, we would like to say thank you for tuning in. We always appreciate you giving us your time. Uh, we know that there are a lot of things that we need to do. We know that there are a lot of things that we would like to be doing, but these are some very critical times in in life, in our society, and most definitely in our schools. And because of that, um, we are taking. Uh, the next two hours um, to talk about things that are going on in education. Please, please, please do not hold back. Press the number one at any time you have a question or comment. We would love for you to join the discussion. We would love your feedback. If you're listening um, online, uh, feel free to, to register and post your comments in the chat room. But let's get this, this conversation going. I know I'm excited about tonight's show. I know that Terry is excited about tonight's show. We talked a few hours ago, and, and we, I think we were ready to start then. So I am Rodney Jordan. I am a school teacher in uh, Northern Virginia uh, with Manassas City Public Schools. This is my sixth year teaching. I am also the author of Tired of Being Black. You can... Uh, find Tired of Being Black on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes and Nobles. Uh, you can purchase it through any book retailer. Uh, but Tide of Being Black was written to offer a fresh perspective on the negative stereotypes and struggles of the black race, and there are so many stereotypes out there. Um, so I won't spoil the book for you, but don't, don't judge the book by its cover. Um, open up the book and read it. So we're going to get right into tonight's show. We we are not going to prolong it. Um, if you saw the links that we've been putting out today, uh, the title of today uh, of tonight's show is social promotion, and we want to talk about how kids are being promoted to the next grade, um, but they're not quite ready. Um, and I think if you if you were to survey a number of teachers, a number of parents. Our children are not necessarily prepared for what's ahead of them. And in our findings today, we're going to start with the nation's report card uh, that was just released on May 7th. And here was a, uh, this report talks about an assessment that was given to 92,000 high school seniors. Okay. And you can read more about this, um, this article on NPR.org. That is where we found it. But it talks about the nation's report card. So our high school seniors were tested in reading it in and in math. And Tammy, I must say that, that I was very disturbed when I, when, when I was reading this article and I highlighted so many things. I think I almost highlighted the entire article. Because so many things jumped out at me, um, but probably the biggest ones was that seventy-four percent of the students who took this uh, assessment, and again there were ninety-two thousand total high school seniors, but seventy-four percent of them scored below the grade-appropriate level in math, and thirty. I'm sorry, 62% scored below grade level in, in reading. So here we have seniors, not first graders, not second graders, not sixth graders, who if they go to the next grade, we still have a chance. But these are high school seniors. Who are not reading or doing math on grade level. However, our uh, graduation rates have reached an all-time high. So, in other words, we're sending our, our children at seventeen. 18, 19 years old. We're sending them off to college. We're sending them to the military. We're sending them to vocational school or out into the workforce. And they cannot read or do arithmetic. But we're giving them a high school diploma and saying congratulations, you have successfully completed school. But according to this assessment, they're already. But we're sending our kids out. Even more disturbing, the last time this test was given in 2009, we had the same results. So when this test was given last year in 2013, four years later, we haven't shown any progress with our high school seniors in four years. Now, before I jump to to something that I know that teachers probably are thinking themselves, These scores or this proficiency rate is less than what it was in 1992. So 22 years ago, our high school seniors were ready or more ready, more prepared when they left high school than they are in 2014. Now, mind you, we have had just a phenomenal, um, we've seen technology go um, through the roof in 22 years. There, there, there's just so many more resources now than there were 20 years ago. Teachers are under more stress than they were 20 years ago with professional development, lesson plans. We have all of these programs that have been in and out of our education educational system. We've had all of these books and all of this work that has been put on teachers over the past 20 years, really over the past five years since I've been in, Because I've been teaching. And so with all of this, with all of these so-called answers, our students are worse off today than they were 20 years ago. Now, 22 years ago, I was mad. I was in fifth grade. And we didn't have the Internet. Cell phones weren't weren't even popular. 22 years ago we didn't have these things now we have all of this technology we have all of these resources but yet our students are not prepared when they leave high school and I've had this conversation with people over the past I don't know few months. If you want to become rich quickly, it appears that all you have to do is create a document, write a book, or come up with some resources and sell it to our Department of Education or sell it to our school district because, oh, this is so great. It's going to work in North Carolina because it works in Utah. Never mind the fact that kids in Utah are different than kids in North Carolina, probably. But because it works in Utah, it did great things in Utah, we're going to do it in North Carolina. Or well, because... Research says that it's supposed to work. It is, it is guaranteed to give us the results that we are looking for. As teachers, we see so many different things coming through our school systems. And this is not just in Virginia. This is across the country.
2: Hey, hey Rodney, mm-hmm. if you don't mind, we've had a, a good number of people jump in. Would you give okay. those? statistics again and then tell what social promotion is because you'd be surprised and not saying that the people who have come in because some of you I don't know the numbers but just let's, let's tell what social promotion is and then would you mind giving those um, stats that you provided at the beginning just so everyone realizes the importance of this and what we should be doing.
0: For those of you who are just joining us, thank you so much for uh, dedicating a portion of your evening. Uh, we hope that you will stay for the, the full two hours, but we do understand that there are other op- obligations out there. But thank you so much for joining us. Tonight we're talking about social promotion and how students are promoted to the next grade level based on social factors, based, uh, such as the they are too big, or they're too old, or um, they're, they're just socially, anything that you can think of socially, they are moved on to the next grade because of those factors, never mind uh, the fact that they may not be ready for third grade, but because socially we should we should promote them, we're going to go ahead and move them. Because they've already been uh, retained a few times, we're going to move them. Um, So tonight we're talking about those things. We're talking about how our students may not necessarily uh, be getting promoted, but rather pushed through school. So they're not getting the 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 knowledge that they need. They're not getting the skills that they need while they are um, in school. But yet we are pushing them through as if they are. So you had a birthday. You should move on. Um, and so we're talking about how, according to the 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 the, the last uh, national report card. Uh, came out and 74% of high school seniors and 92,000 high school seniors were were tested, 74% of them scored below grade appropriate uh, appropriate level in math, 62% scored below grade level in reading. However, our graduation rates are at an all-time high. So we're sending students out into, into, into the real world, and they can't do arithmetic, and they can't read. But yet we're sending them out, telling them congratulations, giving them a high school diploma, but yet they are, we have not prepared them for the real world. And I did say this before, but I'll go ahead and say this now since it just came to me. And we wonder why kids get to college and they drop out. We wonder why kids get to college and it's too difficult for them. We wonder why people get into the workforce, they get a job, they go in the military, and they can't survive because they don't have the self-discipline to make it, they don't have the the basic skills that they need in order to function in these environments. But we're sending them out all to say, "Hey, our graduation rate is high. Our dropout rate is is decreasing." So tonight we're gonna we're gonna get us to to so many things. Um, but we wanted to, but we wanted to start there, um, and then also this, these scores have been the same since since 2009, and students actually tested um, higher back in 1992. So our state, rep- our, our national report card was was better in 1992. Um, did you want to jump in, again, Tammy? <laughs>
2: Um, I'm okay. I'm just making notes. We do have a caller, so let's just start there because we want to just get Everyone's opinion and just get as much feedback and communication going from from different areas and places and just so let's just bring the caller in Okay,
1: okay.
2: Oh, I just lost him. I'm sorry, and I think I did that caller go ahead and call back in. I'm sorry I think I just I just disconnected you so sorry um, so, so, let's just move forward. did you did you explain, um, I was on the chat line trying to make sure I was open up there, but did you give the definition of the social promotion?
0: I did. I didn't give the one that uh, that you that you sent me, So if you want to go ahead and read uh, and read that one, that would be great.
2: Okay, it's basically um, the practice of promoting students to the next grade level um, of the of that current school year, regardless. Of when or whether they've learned the necessary material, so it's regardless if they have met the standards, and, and that's a that's a a show within itself. And this is order in order to keep them with their peers by age. This is what they say, um, or social grouping. So they're doing this, saying that it helps the child. But I want to hear your your responses on that. So. We have a great number of people online and and in the chat line as well. So let's just start there. Again, it is a practice of promoting students to the next grade um, of that school year, regardless of when or whether they've learned the necessary material, and get this, to even function in the next year's um, curriculum, with next year's curriculum. So how does that work? How are we benefiting our children if they've not quite grasped this year's Curriculum that is needed for next year's because we know learning is building It's a continuation. Mm-hmm. So how How are we able to allow this to happen? How how and where will these children go where what will they do? Where will they go when no one will hire them? Um, How will they eat? How will they
0: live? Um, uh- and here's the thing, Sammy, as um, a school teacher, <laughs> um, when children um, have not mastered certain, uh, certain concepts, certain skills, um, and, they, and they don't have the knowledge that they need to move on, when they come to you, for example, uh, the past four years, I've taught sixth grade. So as a sixth grade teacher, and again, this is a national issue. As a sixth grade teacher, if a student didn't, did not master something from kindergarten through fifth grade, guess who it falls on in sixth grade? Then falls on the fifth grade teacher anymore than following the fourth grade teacher. No one's looking at the parents, really. They're waiting to see what Mr. Jordan is able to do with this child or with these children. And so you have teachers in middle school, in high school, and even at the elementary level, but you have teachers who are given a group of students every year. Some are above grade level, maybe. Some are on grade level. And then you have quite a few who are not only below grade level, but they are so far below grade level, it makes you wonder sometimes, am I going to be able to get this child to where they need to be before they leave my room? Or how far can I get them? Or how far can I bring them up? That's the reality for a lot lot of teachers. And fortunately, I can't say all, but we do have some outstanding teachers out there who do a great job with whoever... It uh, comes into their classroom every year. We we don't have it. We don't have enough. (laughs) But we have teachers out there who make that difference that we hear people talk about all the time. We have those teachers out there. It would be nice to have more, but it presents a huge problem when kids are not required to master standards or objectives. And I was talking to a a colleague of mine earlier today um, about the show tonight, and she said if she had it her way, we would not have any grade levels in school. We would have mastery levels. And you cannot move to the next level until you have mastered what you were supposed to at your current level. Whether or not we would ever be able to do that, I don't know how the how the listeners feel about that, but it's supposed to be we hear all the time. It's supposed to be about mastery. Yet our system is not designed for our students to reach a certain level of mastery. We hear we hear it, and even in this article, uh, our uh, secretary of education. And, again, if you want to read more on this article, um, we found it at NPR.org. And our, our very own Secretary of Education, Arne Duncan, said, uh, called the news troubling, particularly as high school graduation rates have reached an all-time high. My question to him is, what is he doing about it? What, what is he doing to address this issue? Because he's been in the seat for some time now. What has he done? What is his plan? And see, another thing is, too, we listen to everyone except for the people who we should listen to when it comes to education. If you want to find out how to make education better, Talk to the people who are in the churches every single day. Talk to the teachers. Listen to them. Can't do everything, or you can't take every suggestion, but listen to them. But where do we go? We seek out business people. Of course, they're going to sell you whatever you want to hear. Whatever you want, they're going to sell it to you. They're business people. We seek out lawyers, and, and, and every, every for advice, on education, except the people who probably could give the best solution. But no one is listening to the teacher. And then on the flip side of that, not enough teachers are speaking up. We'll talk amongst ourselves, but when it's time to speak up, very few teachers do. And I'm not saying that we have to be rebellious or insubordinate, but when we have an opportunity to use our voice, we have to start doing it. And there, like we've there last night, there mm-hmm. is such a great deal of power in numbers.
2: Ronnie, I have a question for you. Who, do you feel that there is more responsibility on the parents or the teachers? And according on, depending on your answer, why?
0: Um, I think that more responsibility is placed on the teachers. Um, and the reason why I say that is because you can hold teachers accountable whereas you can't really hold parents accountable. As long as parents aren't violating, um, any laws like, you know, keeping the kids out of school or sending them to school in in bad shape, you know, where they haven't, you know, been, uh, you know, taking baths and things like that or, you know, the kids are being abused, um, Outside of those things, you really cannot hold parents accountable. However, teachers are held accountable all the time, um, uh, especially with these with state these, uh, tests. Um, and again, um, you know, as a sixth grade teacher, I've had students reading on an eighth grade level, and I've had students reading on a second grade level. The only thing that mattered was what were the test scores? In the springtime, that's all anyone cared about. And if, if a child did not pass the state test, no one went looking for the parents. It was me having to answer for why this child did not pass the test or why this group of children did not pass the test. So so more of the responsibility is placed on the teachers. When um, we can do a lot, but unfortunately, you know, there, there are some students that we just don't reach. I'm not going to say that we can't reach them, but there, but there are just some students that we don't reach. And, it, and, and, and I've seen some of the best teachers, you know, have one or two that may not pass. So they don't necessarily get all of them. But I can tell you their recovery rate from one grade to another is, is excellent. Um, I, and I've worked with some. And, and I admire those teachers, you know, for for what they do. Um, but it can't. It, I mean, it can't be done. But but if more responsibility could be placed on the parents, um, I think that we would we would see a change in our children and their desire for education.
2: Let because me ask again, this. it
0: starts at home. Mm-hmm.
2: Why do you feel parents are? Well, seemingly not concerned about uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. Social prom- promotion, um, no child left behind, because that's been out for quite a while now. Why do you feel that there's there's not more talk about this or more people standing up for this to be reversed, changed, eliminated? Why do you feel there are not a lot of parents, or seemingly so? There is, I I, I don't know of them of any organization.
0: <laughs> well, we'll, well, we'll talk about. Uh, let's talk about the good uh, the, the 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 good parents first. Let's talk about the parents who really are doing everything that they that um, they can't support their children, but due to some un um, um you know due to certain certain circumstances they are not able to be there as much as they would like because they have to work or whatever. So due to unfortunate circumstances, there are parents who who, who genuinely do care um, but just are not able to be there. Um, but, <laughs> um, but then you have the parents who... Uh, so you have the parents who have to work two or three jobs or whatever... Um, you know, because of their because of their situation, um, to provide for their children. So, I mean, you do have those parents, and and they try to be there as much as they can. But then you have parents, and and, and I've had kids to tell me this. Um, you know, mom is too busy partying. Mom is never home. Mom is always gone. Mom is more interested in, um, in hanging out with their friends. Um, so you have those parents too, where they're not they're not involved because they don't want to be involved. And I saw another interesting uh, fact today, Tammy. Would you would you love to hear it?
1: I would love to hear it. <laughs>
0: so we, we, we talked about how seventy four percent of our students uh, scored below grade appropriate uh, below grade level in math And these are all singers who we're were sending out into into the real world and and they can't do math. And then 62% of them uh, can't read proficiently. But I found out today that uh, the revenue for Air Jordans, the tennis shoes, uh, you wouldn't believe how much money was made off of Air Jordans in 2012. I probably would one not two, tell us. $1.25 with a B as in boy. $1.25 billion. Dollars. So here we are spending... And these are not cheap shoes. Here we are spending, at a minimum, $100 for a pair of shoes. And a lot of kids have more than one pair of Jordans. Um, So we're spending hundreds of dollars on shoes. Dr. Dre just so beat by Dre, (laughs) Apple for $3.2 billion. Now, now you hear headphones cost anywhere from two to $300. So, we have kids with these $300 headphones, $200 shoes, no and they tell you how much their jeans and shirts cost.
2: $500 cell phone.
0: Uh-huh. They have iPhone 5. Now, now you have a little jewelry that was freaked. And that is for free. But they, they have, they have iPhone fives, right? Mm-hmm. However, they can't read. They can't, we're not allowed to ask for money to go on field trips because, hey, they're a low-income families. So they can't, read. they're reading the low grade level. They're free and reduced much, They can't afford to go on field trips, yet their whole outfit, uh, press their headphones, um, probably costs more than what most of their parents bring home, let's say a week, two weeks. But they can, instead of buying books, we're buying joints. Instead of buying other resources that our kids could be using, instead of making sure that they know their multiplication facts, and when they have to multiply three times four, they don't have to use the fingers. Instead of making sure these things. We have to make sure that they look good. doesn't matter what's on the inside, especially not the inside of the inside of their head. but as long as what people can see looks good, everything's all right
2: mm-hmm. and right now, I want to back up for a minute because I want you to define something, and I'm going to be hard tonight because i I come from from a time and place where I could have very well said I don't have time to be there. I know people now who are working two jobs and going to school and they find time to be there. May not be at the school for every meeting but when those children come home and when there's homework to be done that's priority. I don't have time to talk on the phone. They say I don't have time to do this because that becomes priority. So I, I hear what you're saying. You you said some people are just not able to be there. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Unless you are sitting lying <laughs> in your bed, I don't buy that. If you ha- if you have any means of doing anything outside of your home, you have time to be there. So and see that's why I feel we we are we have to stop sugar all of it from the top to the bottom. If the principal is not putting it out you need to go if the teacher is not putting it out you need to go but what I have found to be so true the more you expect from someone the more you will get may not be every single time but the percentage rate of that I I stand firm on this is very high (laughs) the more people feel you expect of them they're going to try even the more so it's like everybody has this closed mouth, and, and and the suffering comes with the children. But these kids mm-hmm. are going to grow up; they're going to become adults in their mind. They're going to think their age makes them an adult, and then they're going to see. But I'm not able to uh, effectively take care of myself. I'm not able to get the things I want. I want a job, but I can't get one. Even if some of, some of what we are allowing will cause a child not to even apply for a job because maybe they can't read the application. Maybe that iPad that they have and that cell phone that they have, maybe all they can do is sign on Facebook. Maybe they don't even know how to, to get a resume or go in and, a, a place and complete an application. So my question is while we're sitting around saying that these people, they don't have time or the ones that do are just being passed on, what's happening is these, these young kids are going to grow up And while we might not see it as a problem now, they're going to be hungry one day and may not have money to buy. They're going to need somewhere to live and maybe not have money to to get into a place to live. And so the question comes then is where will they go? And it very well may be your house robbing you. It could be your children's house. It could be your grandchildren's house. So we think the problem does not exist or it does not affect us, but there will come a time where these children that we are promoting will have nowhere to go. And they can't lock all of them up at the same time, although I feel like <laughs> that is true goal. I mean, I mean so, really, so I, I really don't want to sugarcoat it. I'm talking to the mother who says, well, I don't have time. But I see you getting your hair done. I see you with the pretty nails and the toes to match that you did not do. (laughs) I'm I'm serious. I see it. And so there's no sugarcoating here tonight. And if it hurts, great. Take the Band-Aid off. Let's deal with it. So those are the people that I want to talk to. And then then for us who are sitting back thinking, okay, well, it's not our problem because I don't have a child in the school system. Again, not true. Not true at all. I don't have one in the school system as well. Rodney, you're a teacher, but you don't have children.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I, I'm still waiting for some, something to happen in Memphis about a 69 being a C. I'm still waiting nope. for, somebody, for something to, somebody to say, what? A mom, a dad. Like, I really want to see some people go downtown and do something about this.
0: While, while, we are, while we are on that, let's... let's uh, <laughs> in case you missed these statistics a few weeks ago, um, in, in Memphis, Tennessee, an A is an 84% or better. So all you have to do in Memphis to get an A is to have an 84%. And... I remember when I was in school, and 84 was a C. But now in Memphis, an 84 is an A. And all you need to pass in Memphis is a 40 is a 46. Anything above 45 is a D or above. So you, don't, you you're not considered failing in Memphis, Tennessee, until you have a 45. Contrary to what's going on in Sussex, Wisconsin, where anything less than a sixty three is uh is failing. But I I, I I'm I'm with you, Sammy, and I think about what mister what Mr. Sonia said.
1: Right.
0: Uh, what he was on. Uh and, and in case you don't know Mr. Sonia, uh Mr. Sonja is, um he is the principal um, down in Louisiana, who spent twenty seven years as a custodian um, and now he's the principal of that of that same school where he was a custodian for for twenty seven years and he talked about these um, these very things and and he talked and here's a man um and if you haven't had a chance to to read his story you should because he is a man I think he has some type of uh Explosion or something at his house? Today. the weekend he was supposed to start start school, start college. Right,
2: you, right. You talk about a story of determination, and and mind you, at the time that happened, he's already been um, working as a janitor. At probably what twenty years, because it was twenty seven years. You know, by the time he completed college, but this is someone who, you know, attempted to go to college, but parents could not afford to keep him in and take care of the the additional siblings, and so he found his place in society, working man, and and not demeaning being a janitor at all, but he had more potential, and someone saw that um, in him. So he's working as a janitor, and a former school teacher of his comes up to him and says, I'd rather see you grading papers than picking them up, and that sparked something mm-hmm. in him. That being said, now, he to fast forward, he is a principal of um, a school in Louisiana and is thinking of going to be the superintendent. And I remember him saying, if you want change, you got to change it from the top to the bottom. He also said that we are not holding parents accountable. There are mm-hmm. – I, I just left Texas, and I was amazed, you guys, by the school system. I went to the school system. I mean – I was just like on some kind of hide there trying to figure out how am I feeling this way here. Even, I mean, there were so many challenges, but even in the midst of those challenges, I felt such a, such a peace. But I find out that their school system, parents are fined for, they, they, they can receive a fine for kids misbehaving, for kids not doing what they're supposed to do. And they hold <laughs> them to it. They, and, and then you see schools that kids, you walk in schools and kids say, excuse me, they speak, they're moving out of your way. I mean, treating you like an adult, like we used to treat people that, elders of ours. And I'm thinking, why can't that be in Memphis? Why can't that be some, in some of these other places that are, have challenges with kids just, just, just saying, just respect you can drive with your car now. Kids will not get out of the road and will turn around and look at you as if you're walking and they're driving.
1: <laughs>
2: expect, I mean, really, that, that's that, is, that is true. Yeah, so don't, you tell me that those children, same children, will not have a problem with killing you, with taking your life. So while we're sitting, avoiding the problem, acting as if it does not exist, acting as if it's not our issue, what will you do when you're face-to-face with that same person who's hungry and angry? Because
1: mm-hmm.
2: we've allowed them, because kids know that we know. Kids know that this world, that's why, part of the reason they act like they do. They know. They see. They know we expect nothing of them. 46? How could they, I don't have to do anything. Why go to school?
0: When all you have to do is less than half of the work.
2: Exactly, and so and, I said and, parents, and that, <laughs> why are we? Quiet?
0: Why? And going back to something that you just said Tammy, when you expect more from people, you get more from people, and and, and that that goes along with uh, something that um, one of my close friends, this uh, Krista okay. Keller, uh, posted on the on the page earlier, and I don't know if she's tuned in now or not about setting high standards, which was our show a few weeks ago. And I remember um, about two or three years ago, I had 54 students in sixth grade. And out of the 54 students, 21 of them did not pass the reading test, uh, the state test, as fifth graders. And they didn't just fail the test by like one or two questions. I mean, they they failed the test. And those kids came in and they, and and we let them know uh, from the beginning, what happened in the past doesn't matter anymore. What other people think of you doesn't matter. The thoughts that you had about yourself before you walked through that door, they don't matter anymore. And we were able to get 12 out of the 21 to pass the test. So where they came in uh, just above uh, 50%, we had over an 80% pass rate as they were exiting 6th grade. We, we would have loved to say what, 100%, but we were able to get 80%. And Ms. Kellis, who, who posted uh, tonight, was dealing with the same thing in math, and she was able to to get all but one of those students to pass the math test. And I think she, I think she had twenty three kids who didn't pass the math test in fifth grade, and only one out of all fifty four did not pass that test. So. What is the key? It, it is that it is setting those high standards, no matter what the situation is. And because of the way that I grew up, because of the because of the situations that I faced growing up, and I really believe that that had a lot to do with it. It is very hard for me to feel sorry for people, because there were even people who had it harder than I did, who made it. So. If you want to get it done, you can get it done, but there cannot be any excuses, and we cannot make any exceptions. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk about something else unless you want to uh, stay here, Tammy. Oh no,
2: let's move right on.
0: Um, along these same lines, uh, the last thing I will pull from this article um, it says that the, uh, the achievement gap, that this study also showed that the achievement gap between white students and their black and Hispanic counterparts remained stubbornly wide despite more than a decade of federal efforts to close it. So we've had all of these initiatives, <laughs> uh, all of these programs, put in place to close the achievement gap. However, it's still pretty wide. And our African-American boys are scoring the lowest on these tests. So we still have this achievement gap, which I think uh, was our last show. So now we have not just 74% of our kids not being able to do math at a high school level or read at a high school level, but the gap between minorities, between Hispanics, blacks, and, and whites is still wide. And with federal efforts comes a whole lot of funding. Now if if I go out and and buy anything, let's say I go out and and, and, and buy a house or buy a car. I am held accountable for that. I have to make those payments, you know. I'm held accountable for that money. Who's being held accountable for all this money that has been spent, and the results are not there? Who's being held accountable for this? We have people sitting at the top, like Mister. Sunyus said, it needs to needs to start at the top. Who's being held accountable for this money that we are spending and our kids still can't read. I I don't get to decide where the money is going as a teacher. I don't get to decide where the money is going. So who's making these decisions? And then when it's not working, what's happening to them? Something to think about. Hmm. <laughs> if we don't have a call, we're going to jump into uh, something else that um, is pretty alarming. And thank you to all of our listeners who are still with us. We have we have some more good stuff coming for you. Um, and I want to
2: just say so we have we have you on. You guys, I'm, I'm able to see. Uh, for the for the most part, everybody who is ca- has called in, get in on this. Tell us what you think. If you think we're being too hard, if you think you have um, a solution, or maybe even some suggestions, tell us. Speak up, speak out, um, because this is not going to go away, and it's certainly not going to get better if we continue on in silence and allow it to continue to happen. So chime in. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, Raina,
0: go ahead. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, I hope they're ready for this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, three years ago at Frazier High School in the great city of Memphis, Tennessee. Sorry for those of you who are in Memphis. We're going back to Memphis again. But three years ago, and, and you can find... Uh, you can find this information anywhere in live. But three years ago, at Fraser High School in Memphis, Tennessee, there were a total of 800 students. 90 of uh, 90 of the, of the girls at this high school, 90 of them, 90 zero were either pregnant or were already mothers. 90. 90. So, so so 11%. Now, 800 is the total number, so that's boys and girls. But 90 of... <laughs> 90 girls were either already pregnant or... That they were already mothers, or they were pregnant. Eleven percent. Now we just said that only twenty-six percent of our students, of our high school seniors across the country, can do math, and only thirty-eight percent are reading on a uh, on grade level as high school seniors. But here we have a high school where eleven percent of the students pregnant. And this is a Title I school. And they're Title I because almost 100% of the students are considered to be low income and get free and reduced lunch. So if you're low income, better known as poor, and getting free and reduced lunch, how are you going to support a child? So, now that's an even bigger issue. Because 90 girls were pregnant at the school. And instead of us addressing these issues, as we stated last night, we support the enemy we're trying to defeat. If you talk about teenage pregnancy to anyone, they'll tell you how uh, how much it would love for girls to finish school, um, go to college, get a good job, get married. No one would say, oh, I'm happy about a teenager getting pregnant. However, we found in a bunch of nonsense on the television these reality shows that, per, that promote nothing but foolishness where these young girls see nothing but poor examples and then we wonder why we're having these issues. We have music today that our kids listen to that promote nothing but sex, violence, but we say we want things to change. We want things to get better. How? Jumping up in front of a camera just uh, just because we think that we have a case of racial profiling is not going to solve our problem. Everyone is mad at George Zimmerman But how many people are mad with these rappers? How many people, <laughs> how many people tell me, do you think shared um, our status today about, about this show tonight Where we're talking about our children and their future? How many people do you think shared our status tonight?
2: have a good answer for you and it it doesn't come by the way of a number as you would expect because you said how many but let me just put a question back to you how many people or how many statuses or postings do you think I was able to see about Jay-Z and Beyonce possibly (laughs) what really gets me there is how we could be so concerned and caught up about Jay-Z Jay-Z whatever who are billionaires and who could at a drop of a dime, visit every school in America. And just because of who they are, if they would set expectations to these children, would change lives. But they don't. They haven't. And I don't want to hear, yes, they do some things. They are not doing enough with what they have and the freedom that they have in the dollars. So don't anybody tell me what programs they have. Don't want to hear it because if they have one, they should have 100. So, but, <laughs> we who are sitting here, these laws are affecting your children, my children, your grandchildren, your, grandchildren, your future, and we are worried about if Jay-Z hit Beyonce. Really, when, when you won't worry about your na- if your neighbor is in domestic violence, you won't, that doesn't concern you. Jay-Z and Beyonce, <laughs> really? So I can tell you but, probably none.
1: Because
2: <laughs> it was right around the time uh, all this was being posted and coming out about Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs>
1: but,
0: but we're supporting, We're supporting these things. And yeah. um, no, we are not a good entertainment. We are not against having a good time, but we are more concerned about the futures of our children. Um, at Choir Academy at Harlem, excuse me, this is in New York City, this school was actually um, shut down. Last year... <laughs> Um, and that happens a lot in New York. A lot of times schools are in New York City. A lot of times schools are closed down. And then they're just reopened, uh, someone, someone will just, you know, reopen, reopen it. Um, but at Choir Academy of Harlem, um, only one student passed the math exam. One, one student in the whole school passed the math exam. Um, 26% of New York City's 3rd through 8th graders in in New York City, period. 3rd through 8th graders, only 26% of them are performing on grade level in reading and 30% on grade level in math. And this is according to the test results from last year. 26% in reading and 30% in math. And... um, According to this, and you can find this at insideschools.org, according to this, um, this state isn't too far behind. New York State isn't too far behind. It says that 31 percent of New York state students score on grade level in both math and reading. Um, so basically, seven in 10 New York City students are below grade level. And and this is uh, according to to Common Core. Um, But then it also goes back to the achievement gap, but but looking at it from an economical standpoint, um, it says higher incomes um, in in certain areas of Manhattan um, continue to outperform the high poverty areas um, in New York City. so again this is this is a national issue, and if you're listening, please please, please uh, jump into this discussion at any time because again we are we are very interested in your questions, we are very interested in your comments, even if you disagree with us, we would love to hear what you have to say uh, but join in, uh press the number one at any time if you're uh if you're in the chat room, uh leave your comments. Uh Tammy will gladly read them. But this is a problem that's not going going away until we do something about it. And we have to stop sitting back and allowing our children to suffer. There 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 are um that we can do. I'm sure that there are other teachers out there who have had success stories, who can who can share with all of the listeners um, what has worked for them, and and teachers can try it or or tweak it to um, to fit them. But we we need to we need to start making sure that our children can read write add, subtract, multiply, and divide and not just text and tweet and twerk and post pictures on Instagram. We need to produce uh, a better generation of students, of learners, and we're only going to do that with each other. We're not going to do that by sitting back and being silent.
2: Well, I now want to share something that you um, said on a previous show about you gave an example of if you were um, principal or, you know, monitoring kids and their behavior or if a child came to the office for being in trouble, you would not only look at that child, but you would also go back and try to find out what is going on at the time that this child um, either got in trouble this time or started to act out, whatever you have it. And you mentioned that, for for an example, you said that if this child typically um, around, I believe you said math or reading time, begins to act out, then then let's see if there's something to it. Maybe he feels that he is not uh, adequate enough to to involve himself or participate, and so he's trying to get attention off of, that. And so he acts out. And I I bring that up because imagine us as adults, how we feel when we are possibly in the presence of people that we feel no more than us or that we just don't measure up. I've been there, done that. And, And as an adult. So imagine how These kids feel at such a critical age where they're trying to fit in and trying to be accepted for who they are with all that's going on. On top of all of that, I feel dumb as a child. I feel like I am not as good as you, that I don't know as much as you do. So I bring that up because could that be, people, because we have such – a high rate of violence um, going on, teen against teen, uh, teens against adults. They have no remorse. A teenager can kill someone or beat someone who is the age of their grandmother, great-grandmother, with no remorse, no feelings. So could it be that we've allowed so much to go on and affect their lives until they just say, y'all don't care anywhere. anyway, why should I? Look at the crimes that kids are able to commit today. So where are we going with this? Where are we going? And while we're going to, I'm going to bring this up and then I'm going to shut up. I right, give it back over to you. So why we going to church every Sunday? Why we're going to church every Sunday? We're dressing up, we're putting on everything. Let's just say, put on the whole armor of God. What are we doing with it? Fred Douglas said, my prayers did not get answered until what? I started. My prayers started walking. Basically, what are we doing? We just waiting on God to do, and we're just quiet. And, and we're doing this to children, and what does God's word say about children?: <laughs> Great question, but we we we're failing them every day.
0: Again, if you're out there we would we, we, <laughs> for those of you who, who are still with us, we would love to hear from you. Um and, and I'll say this to me. Um, I remember um, growing up, and up until probably the end of third grade, um, I was very serious about school. I was very excited about school. Um, I grew up in a house with nine other children. Um, and six adults, and mind you, there were there were only two bedrooms and one bathroom, so you can imagine how how small the space was. Um, and a few years ago, when my grandmother passed, I saw a lady who I had not seen since I was in elementary school, and um, she said, "You know." I remember when you were just a little boy and you used to come home every day and you would find space, somewhere usually on the coffee table, um, but you would find space to do your homework. And, and when all the other kids were outside or they were playing or watching TV or, or, or whatever, you used to sit there, no matter what was going on, and you would do your homework. And I remember those times. Um, But I got to a point where I felt like I was the only one who cared. Not to say that anyone else didn't, but I felt like I was the only one who cared. And when I got to that point, at that young age, uh, because I started school very early. Uh, I started kindergarten when I was four, so by the time I was in third grade, I think I was seven remember I from that to that point, um, that was it for me. Because once I reached that point, from then on, when I felt like no one else cared—parents, grandparents, uncles, cousins, no one—when I felt like I was the only one who cared, um, that's when I began to fail in life. That's when I began to go to school and get in trouble. That's when I began to go to school and um, just create all kinds of havoc in the classroom. That's when I began to go to school as smart as I was and be the class clown. And it carried on for years. For years. From 4th grade up until 10th grade, that's just how it was. And the only thing that happened every single year was it got worse. And so my 8th grade year, which was probably my worst year in school, uh, which was the same year that, um, you know, my mom sent me to live with my dad, I was suspended twice uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've had an airport suspension that year. Um, I lost out of the number of after school detentions I had that year i mean it was it it had gotten to be just that bad, carried over into ninth grade and so every year it just it, it, it was just bad and it all started from me being seven years old and feeling like. No one cares. And so, so I, I used to be that child. And fortunately for me, um, I've had people in my life to, to sort of help redirect me. Uh, my 10th grade teacher, um, I talk about him all the time because he was one of the instrumental people who helped me to get back on the right path and who helped me to see uh, life in such a different way. Um, he challenged me, and he, he did not accept my foolishness. And he let me know that from day one, that he was not going to tolerate it. And because of that, you know, it took some time because I was not used to that structure. I wasn't used to that discipline. But because of him... Uh That year, I got back on track, and academically, there was still some you know some bumps in the road, but behaviorally i didn't have any issues after that. I was straight for the for the rest of the time so i can I can identify with those kids who feel like no one cares or who feel or who feel like, hey, why why should I try? But here's the bad part about my situation. I was not the only kid, and I'm just going to talk about the kids that I went to school with, kids that that I lived in the neighborhood with, kids that I walked to school with, or rode the bus with, they were in the same boat. However, they didn't make it, most of them. Some are dead today, and mind you, I'm only 31, but I've had, I have, you know, I've up with people who've been dead for years, and not because, you know, they got got terminally ill, but because of the lifestyle that they were living, or they're serving life sentences in prison. Because they got to a point where they felt like no one cares, so you know what? This is how I'm going to live my life. And so they they went out and they did things, and they're still sitting in prison today. So since we've graduated, they've been behind bars. Every now and then, you find a situation. Uh, you find you find a case like like mine where the kid makes it out. I didn't make it out on my own. I made it out because one, God loves me, and then, you know, and He showed me mercy and and, and let me make, and let me make it out and let me make something of my life. But it doesn't happen like that in a lot of cases. And I know we get on the parents a lot, but again, we can't make parents do anything. And so, yes, it is, it is, a, it is a tough challenge for, for educators. But when that child comes to your class, sometimes you are all they have. We want parents to be more supportive. and We want parents to do more and, and, and come to parent come to teachers' comments or back to school nights or email the teachers or make sure the kids are doing their homework. That's an ideal world. But unfortunately, it's not the world we live in. And because of that, there are a lot of kids, when they go to school, that's their last option. When they walk in and see that teacher, that teacher is their last hope. And a lot of times, as teachers, we don't even know that. Because we don't know these kids past until we start um, investigating or until we check files or, or we start talking to people. We don't know where these kids come from. You met uh, a young man about a month ago in a restaurant. You had no idea who that young man was, but you were able to make an impact on his life just with your kindness, your love. You were able to make an impact on that young man. And a lot of times our kids go into these classrooms and they look at these adults standing there and that's all they have.
2: You know, Ronnie, I was just thinking about that. And because we have new people, I would like to share that story for just for the reason, if next time someone is or find themselves in a place where just talking to, saying hello, being concerned, so I'm gonna briefly share it. You okay with that?
0: I'm um, fine. I am with it. <laughs>
2: okay, this is what happened uh, a few weeks ago. I had I, I had a meeting, a dinner meeting this particular night, and. Just before going, just really started to feel really ill, sick to my stomach to the point that I may, I thought I may not be able to go. But pushed through it, made it, uh, got there, and ordered my food and was going to attempt to eat. But the more I ate, or tried to, um, just the sicker I felt. So I just thought, let me just get this to go, take it home. Well, I stayed there for the meeting, and, and as time progressed, um, for whatever reason, I started to want fish from this place, this one place that I love to get my fish from. And I thought, this is crazy. I'm sick. I have food. I'm at, T- at uh, T- TGI Fridays, I think it was. Um, I'm having dinner, nice meal before me, and I want to go to just a little side road place and get fish. Uh, So much so, I could not get it out of my mind, so I'm trying to rush the person that I'm with alone so I can get out of there, because it was about approaching 830, and I thought the place closed at 9, so long story short, I get there, I I do make it, and I walk in, and I instantly see this young man sitting over to the right, thought it looked, you know, just something went, just just did not sit right with me, but again, that's just kind of me, so I just ordered my food and still looking at him and I'm waiting for my food and so I sit close to him. I'm just trying to get as close as I can to, so I can talk, ask questions or whatever. So I, I asked him, um, I broke the ice and asked him what school did he attend. And he told me what school he attended and I said, I'm thinking now because this is about 8.30, I said, are you waiting on your food? He said, no, I'm waiting on my ride. And this is, I think I asked him maybe one or two more questions in between just to kind of break the ice. Um, I noticed he did he did get up, and my friend ended up coming to the same place this night with her mom and her kids and one of her kids' friends, which was very odd as well because she lives far, far away from me. But she's there at that time of night as well, didn't know I was in, and I didn't know she was coming. And she's kind of like me. She is very concerned not for just her kids but other kids as well. So I was talking to this young man so much, so they thought I knew him, and I was like, no, I don't, but we do now, right? And so we're just kind of laughing, having fun, and I'm still thinking in my mind that I'm breaking the ice uh, because I want to know more. So, And I did get more out of him that he was waiting on his ride. Um, They were coming, and again, he had gotten off the school bus about 2.30, as she said. So again, mind you, by now, it's almost 9 o'clock. I did notice he got up to go to the bathroom in between those conversations, and I noticed his pants were just sagging, 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 beyond sagging. And I am totally against sagging. So my first response typically to any sagger is the eye contact, pull your pants up. Well, I was just not led to say this to this young man, and I didn't. He came back and he sat down. Now this fish that I wanted so much because I'd asked him, did he was he hungry? Did he want anything? He said no, ma'am. And I'm saying surely you have to be hungry because you've been here all these hours. Surely you have to be. And so I kept, you know, asking him, there insinuating because I wanted him to say yes, I would get, I will eat it. He never did. So my food was ready. They told me my order was ready, and the fish that I wanted so badly that I had to have, I no longer wanted. I, I just could not sit and eat it. Eat. Eat the fish with him there. So I practically made him take the fish. I, I went over. I said, "Get this. You have to be hungry by now. Take, take, take it. Eat it." And what, my my friend's little girl, young girl, she's about the same age as he is. Um, she was in tears because she said that she just felt his pain, and she was sitting her back was facing facing him, so he could not see all that. But long story short, she ended up calling him that night as well just to check on him. But what really blessed me so was when he when he, his ride finally did come and what we found out was he, his cousins came to pick him up about his age. And when they walked in, my, my friend said, why are you guys so late uh, picking him up? Why are you just not picking him up? And And he said, ma'am, I had to work and I just got off and was able to pick him up very respectful but when when this young man got up to leave he he got up and the first thing he did before coming over to where i was was pulled his pants up automatically without me asking and i when i say they were down they were below his his butt not on his butt but below and so instantly of course i never said anything to him about the pants but what i got out of that is I have respect for you, because, and I know this is disrespectful, number one, but I have respect for you now because you showed some concern for me. He walked over after pulling his pants up, and he hugged me, and he said, thank you, and we exchanged numbers. I actually texted him. I didn't tell you this a few days ago. I just texted him and said, just checking on you, stay focused, uh let me know what school you're going to go to. And I think he did tell us TSU he's going to be going to, and he said that he was focused, and so that's why I said focused and told him that I'd love for him to meet my son. Um, so just that little time, just that little time. And for our godly people, I'm staying there, because we have responsibility to do better. And it reminds me of Brandon, my son, and some more young men saying that it's not, the church people. It's not the businessman who has made it in the, with the suit and the tie that's stopping me on the street and telling me, "Hang in there, stay in school. How you doing? Are you hungry? What's going on?" It's not them. I've heard this from several young men, black men. It's not the people who they expect to say this. Yet it's the gangbangers, the drug dealers, who saying. Who speaks to them? who acknowledges that they are alive and walking? I have a problem with that. I have <laughs> a sincere problem with that, so that's the story of the the fish, the sickness, and all that and I know without a doubt that that was a god moment, and I can only imagine and i'm I'm eager to see what will happen and and maybe that was just a one time occurrence. For, for for us but I'm going to try to stay connected to that young man because I feel that God sent me there for such a time as this they call it
0: <laughs> Well I I I'm glad that you were there and, and we need so many more um stories like that and and you never know the impact that you can and will have on some on someone's life um and it doesn't take anything, um, it doesn't take a big presentation. Sometimes a few words go a long way, and we need more of that, and our children need more of that. We're going to jump into um, special education um, since we're talking about standards. We're going to jump into our special education and. If you want to read more on this uh, particular article, uh, go to www.sidelearn, and that is dot com. Again, it is www.sidelearn dot com. And uh, the title of the article is What the Common Core Standards Mean for Special Education Students. And I told um, This is to be interesting as well, just because um, special education and um, English language learners, um, both of those tend to be a big part of of education now um, because we have, um, you know, more minorities than just uh, African Americans Uh, we have. Uh, students from all over the world um, going to our schools now, uh, and then we have a large number, a large number, uh, a, a large number of, of students who have been identified as special education. So we're going to talk about this um, <laughs> for a little bit. And again, if you're listening, uh, feel free to uh, to join us. Uh, just press the number one. Um, if you have a question or a comment, if you're listening by phone, and if, um, you're online. Feel free to uh, post comments in the in the chat room. there um, there's actually been some debate um, between parents and uh, our education uh, our educate uh, education officials um, about holding special education students to the same standards as general education students, and this one kind of deals with the Common Core. Um, the parents and teachers um, have argued that holding students with learning disabilities to the same academic standards as general education students is unrealistic and unfair. And they say that this is because uh, of ability and practicality. And parents of students with um, cognitive disabilities prefer that their children focus on life skills over academic skills. Um, And their reason is that life skills are more valuable for their children in the long run. And then the argument against that is that um, the majority of students with learning disabilities um, are capable of much more than... Um, we realize and all it takes is committed educators, a correct diagnosis, and an appropriately targeted intervention, and these students can make dramatic um, learning gains. And so I, I, I've, I was drawn to this article because um, I don't know a whole lot about special education. Um, but what i what I have seen um just with just by um having special- uh, special education students in my classrooms um is that they have the uh, that they can do the work they just need um accommodations because of the way that their brain works or because of the way that they learn. it's not that you know that they can't do it, they just learn differently. Um but at the same time I do uh, know of um, people who have severe learning disabilities and because of that they are um they they have to stay with their parents or with someone uh for the rest of their lives. Like they'll never be able to live on their own uh because of these because of these learning disabilities, and so while we're talking about standards and holding uh, our children to high standards, this article went a different route with it in talking about special education, um, and so parents are concerned that these standards are kind of unrealistic and, and really not that fair when it comes to when it comes to their, their children who have these disabilities. Um, because academically, um, they're not going to need those skills as much as they are going to need just general life skills. Um, but again, he, he, we're back to, to talking about the, um, you know, these standards. And, and so, um, if you are a special education teacher or have some expenses with uh, with Special education. Please feel free to to join in, it. or or if you have a child who has um, a learning disability, um, don't be afraid to, uh, to 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 speak up, um, because we have a large uh, number of of students who are specialists today, and and sometimes it does make you wonder if they are getting. The services that they need, they are getting the education that they need because it's not like it used to be. The way I remember uh, special education being when I was growing up was that if you if you were considered to be special ed, you were in what is called now a self-contained classroom. You were you were not mainstream with the other students, um, and you know, but now. We have what are called inclusion classes, and so, you know, we have general education students and special education students in the same classroom, and, you know, there should be a general education teacher and a special education teacher in the room at the same time. I'd like
2: to share something with you. You are... um would you believe if I told you that I had a teacher that wanted to put Brandon on medication?
1: Oh, really? <laughs> what, what was the reason?
2: <laughs> well, um, we never did quite find that out because almost before she was able to hang up the phone, I was at the school. And, um, <laughs> and I say that because... Um, and, and this was at a time where when I was working in the school system, different school system, totally different uh, county and all of that. I, I, I was in North Carolina. And I was at that time seeing kids just one after another be placed on medication. And I would see these kids go from um, being these outgoing just compassionate, loving children to, like, zombies. Like, they, they, there were times where they just seemed they were the walking dead. And literally, you could, there were probably about, this was a school maybe about 200, maybe 50, 75 kids, and it was probably about 85 kids on medication. So this was a full-time job to, to administer medication, and then you see the effects of it. Um, and I remember one day taking Brandon to school, well, to work with me, uh, because, again, different counties, and he happened to be out, and, and school at, was out down there. And uh, there was this young man who had came to work with uh, his mother as well. And he was a bit younger than Brandon, uh, and Brandon saw him working differently. And he inquired, "What is what's going on with him?" And I said, "Well, you know, I said, well, he has some some issues with learning, so he doesn't have to 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 do as much." And I said it's something like that. And Brandon said, he looked at me really weird, and he said, "Well, if he's having problems, doesn't it make sense to give him more work than less?" And and he Brandon was probably fifth grade at that time.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just
2: remember thinking that does make sense. So he, what he was saying, even at that time, at that age, shouldn't you challenge him more? Shouldn't since he, shouldn't you just kind of push him to learn a little bit more? Um, and I, I say that to say because number one, I feel like many parents are saying yes to medication, yes to special needs because of the check. And, I'm again, I'm not being soft tonight. You're selling your kids <laughs> out. You're selling your kids out. When I found out that parents are able to receive a check for kids who are labeled ADHD, and I'm assuming the check is so that you can maybe do more with them, buy better food. I'm assuming that. But yet these kids go from, Being kids, being kids to zombies. So I understand the the point of having special needs. I actually have a brother who went through that, uh, I don't know what I would call it, because I don't know what he was really taught um, during the process. I think the system failed him, and I think um, his family failed him as well. Um. I remember my brother being like 20-something and coming to stay part of the summer with me and could not do a number of things that he should have been able to do for himself. Very smart, very intelligent. Um, So I say that to say we also need to stop labeling these kids so quickly and allowing Mm -hmm. someone to do so without, and I'm not saying there are some children who, don't need it because I, I I I agree that there may be some, but there are not as many as we are tagging. So if there's a need, I say we need to do better in meeting the needs for those who are truly who truly have issues with learning. I'm,
0: uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say that this is the this is the solution every single time, but w- w- when I couldn't sit down or, or or do what I was supposed to do at school, my mother had one answer, and that was to kick my behind. That,
2: that was the time
0: when, when when I couldn't do what I was supposed to
2: do. Yeah, you're not to sit down. Your <laughs> butt is sore. That, that's your <laughs>
0: right now you. <laughs> There was no such thing as labeling, labeling her child. If her child could not do what they were supposed to do, um, you had to deal with her. There was none of this. Uh, my child does not need a pill. There was no such thing. She didn't need a check. I didn't need any, any extras, uh, extra services in school. It was called you better sit down or I will make sure that you sit down. Or if you can't sit down, there will be a reason why you cannot sit down. And I'm not, again, I'm not that that is, the, that, is the, that is the solution, but...
2: Um, That's the solution? <laughs> if you're not saying it, I'm saying it. That is the solution. We are missing out on... <laughs> Being parents to these children, we treat them like they rule the house. They rule the world. They make the decision. Do you want to? Can I? D- really? No. no. <laughs> I hate to keep picking on Brandon, but I remember getting that that one call in first grade that he had gotten in trouble, and I would tell every job that I had, I was come sick, I would stay sick, I would do whatever you need. But if ever somebody calls me concerning Brandon, good or bad, and if you if you if you're looking for me and I'm missing, I'm gone. I've gotten that call because I'm not going to wait to tell you. And I remember, and this no no kidding, you guys, first grade. By the time I got there, and I worked far far away. Kid you not. Brandon had asked the janitor to lock the bathroom doors. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Seriously, cuz he knew. And that's exactly what I went for. Come out. Let me get him. And we went and the doors were locked. Again, I kid you not. My son in 1st grade threw his hands up and said, "Thank you, Jesus." No joking. I will <laughs> he will tell uh that is exactly what happened. But I thank God because I probably would have probably been arrested because I told him if I ever have to come to school for mess, and I never had to go back for for anything like that, and I've had to go back on some teachers, but I never had to go back ever. That was the first and the last. (laughs) First grade. So, yeah, we do need to do that. We do need to get back to getting that rod out. I mean, the is yeah. are beating them down with that with a rod that's harder than yours <laughs> that that's,
0: that is true
2: Total, I, no, I, I, we'll be I, tonight we have some 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 comments. I'm sorry, I didn't check the chat, so we do have some comments um let's see interesting topic, believe it or not, it happens all too often. My mother was advised that I needed medication to aid in reducing hyperness. I'm glad she did what you did and decided to let me do what kids do, interact with one another also. And then she goes on to say, in terms of learning, my mother gave me workbooks to complete during the summer. Oh, wow, (laughs) which was helpful. (laughs) Um, I ended up graduating first in my class from the local governor's school. As for some parents placing their kids on medication for a check, I agree. Kids will be kids, but as parents, we need to find a way to channel their energy Give them an opportunity to express themselves through the arts, or something, or some other means. I agree that it is the solution for some, but not all. Meaning the the medication and so forth. And I love the fact I don't I don't know who this is, but I love the fact. And I don't share names unless you give give me permission to. So listeners, um, if that's okay, let me know. But she says that her mother gave her workbooks to complete during the summer, which was helpful. And you guys know I've shared that on here that kids would come to the door and Brandon said, I gotta finish my work and school would be out and they say school is out Well, no, that wasn't that that was not the case. Brandon still had workbooks as this person said here, when he was finished with sixth grade, I went to Barnes and Noble, whatever it was at that time, they have what every seventh grader should know. And that's what he had to do. Then seventh grade would be done. Then I went on, I would go, what every eighth grader should know. So he was working on that during the summer. It wasn't going outside to play every day without doing something. So we we are accountable. And, and that's why I said earlier, no, no excuses. Because there's a mother that's worse off who was working job after job, but those children know this is, these are the rules. These are the do's and the don'ts, and I am still head of this household. I don't have to be home for you to know the rules. And they were not broken because they knew. And then what happens? They get to school, and they don't give you teachers the problems that you're getting today because they know the rules still apply. It doesn't matter if I make $5 an hour or $50 an hour. Will it get to the point where society will have to, as you were saying, how if if you buy a car, you are responsible for paying for it. Well, let maybe we just need to say if you have a baby, you are responsible, or we can do something besides take the baby. Which which now they you got to be the baby almost has to be the child dead before they'll even pull them out of the home.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: we're failing them all the way around. We're failing.
0: I think that if, uh, going back to the to the beginning, uh, for those who who um, who tuned in a little late, um, I think it might be safe to say, Tammy, that the reason why more of our high school seniors were prepared when they left high school was because the parenting was different too. Mm-hmm. The parenting in 1992 was a lot different than the parenting we see in 2014. You didn't have as many children. I'm not going to say that there were not any, but you didn't have as many children talking back to their parents. You didn't have as many children running the household or telling the parents what they were going to do or what they were not going to do. As bad as I thought I was, there was one lady I was afraid of. And even though I got in trouble repeatedly, I always knew who I had to, who I had to answer to. And you just didn't play with your parents back then. Twenty years ago, things were different. Um... It seems like now children um, are running the households. Um, We're more interested in being our children's friends than we are being their mother or their father. Um, We're more concerned, and and we say all the time, you don't have to like me or or, I don't care if you like me. But everything that we do suggests that we are looking to be liked Um, And that's why we buy these iPhones. That's why we buy these Air Jordans. That's why we buy these three hundred dollars headphones. So the parenting is a lot different, and and we're looking to be friends, Um, you know. And and even as teachers, we say, "Oh, that's my friend right there," or. Hey, friend, good morning, friend. Um, But what type of message is that sending to that child? We don't know that. We We don't know how that child is interpreting that. And until we get to a point where we remember how different life was When parents had rules, um, when parents had expectations, when parents did make the time, when parents did uh, sit down with their children, when parents were involved in education, we are going to continue to see um, 90 girls pregnant at a high school. Uh, we're going to continue to see the murders that we're seeing in Chicago. We're going to continue um, to post uh, these pictures that make it out, like the Jay-Z and, and, and Solange photo. We're going to continue to post those things. Uh, we're going to continue to see those things, uh, you know, as much as we hear uh, our strong public figures say that there needs to be a change, we're not seeing anything that is promoting change. And as powerful as our government is supposed to be, why is it that they can't stop these things? If if all of these foods and beverages are so bad for us, why do they continue to sell them? If, if we really have a problem with racism, why is it okay for athletes to call each other the N-word? But then we get mad at Donald Sterling, who comes out and, and, and says that he doesn't want black people at his game. Well we can call each other the N-word, and it's okay. But it's a racial slur. Now, suppose someone made a big enough argument and got enough people behind them and said everyone who has ever been uh, recorded or, or heard uh, using the N-word should be banned for life from sports. You know how many athletes who would lose? But see, they wouldn't do that because, hey, it's much easier to get rid of one man who is bringing in millions and billions of dollars, but we cannot get rid of the players or we can't stop the players from doing certain things who are bringing in this revenue. Suppose LeBron James made a racist comment. I wonder what the NBA would do. Would they ban LeBron James for life right now if he made a racist comment? I don't know. We look at, um, we see these athletes um, all the time. You ever notice that every time a scandal comes out in college athletics, it's always after the players are gone or when they're about to graduate. Nothing is being said while these players are bringing in all of his money. They took the the Heisman Trophy away from Reggie Bush. Uh, If anyone doesn't know who Reggie Bush is, um, he was with one of the Kardashian girls, I think, and uh, he was a great uh, football player at USC. Four years after he left, they decided to punish the school. He was gone. Why are you punishing the school now? is that they didn't know the, the, the things that they knew when he was there. So our, our, our leaders can do a better job. But why would they when we continue to support their foolishness? We continue to sit back. We have all of these bad policies in education. But what are we doing about it? How many people have confronted the Memphis School District about a 59 doing a C? How many people have confronted them? How many people are knocking down the doors of City Hall asking, than to change the grading scale. But let there be a case of racial profiling. Here from all of our celebrities, I was, uh, I thought it was so funny. I saw, uh, the sad at the same time, I saw um, some photos where uh, we have, we had all these celebrities with these posters that said, real men don't sell women. And it was, uh, it was in regards to um, the young girls being kidnapped. Um, and if you look at some of the people holding the photos, they made songs about selling women, and about how they just degrade women all the time. But so now you're going to hold up a poster saying real men don't sell women." I remember Brandon said last night, "We live in such a contradictory society. We contradict ourselves all the time. We're such big hypocrites. I was watching Donald Sterling uh, yesterday talking to Anderson Cooper. Oh, I'm not a racist. Really? Now that you know the camera's running, you're not a racist, but when you didn't you were being recorded, you're a racist. Yeah, these guys, oh, don't, real men don't sell women. But all they talk about, is what they're doing to women in such a negative way?
2: I and what do we do? We support it. You said about the racial profiling and when things like that happen. Um, I, I want to throw this out there really quick. Um, think about this. And there's a quote. And I don't know who, who who quoted this, but it goes something like, "People will do in numbers what they will not." individually do basically that that they'll kind of go with the crowd so if you have something that you're voting on and you see that the majority of people are doing are voting yes but in your heart and based on who you are your true character you go with the majority and so you Mm -hmm. vote yes somehow I, i think what is happening is people are finding some justification in that and and uh, and it's allowing them, so they think it's allowing them a ticket out, an excuse. It's okay because you know I did what everybody else um, did. I and, and and that that is there's something wrong with that. And I I <laughs> want to talk about the racial profiling. We come out in numbers. Trayvon Martin. If if nothing really has come out of that, other than. People made noise. Um, we gathered, and as soon as the media snatched it back out, we stopped. Mhm as, as, as detrimental as that situation in that case was, every day. We should still be making noise because if it was my son, I would still want you all making noise. If it was your son, mother, who's listening, it was. if it was your son, father, who is listening, you would still want people marching, fussing, fighting, even after seeing this, this man who took Trayvon's life get into all this additional trouble, make all... Of, still nothing. And so let's go back to our kids. I, I bought that up because let's go back to not only are we telling you it's okay for you to fail, it's okay for you to not know what you should know, and on top of that, we're just going to let people kill you. We're just going to let mm. people do what they want to do to you. Who? who what child feels safe? in the environment that we are allowing to be created. You talk about the phones, all the things that people try to acquire, in some cases give to their kids, in some cases. What are we looking for? Even as adults, there's some of us still searching for some type of validation, some type of an acceptance. And I'm going to be real quick with this. I want to turn it back over to you. Again, I'm going back to Texas. While I was in Texas, I ran across there's a movement called I Am Second. And I'm thinking, what is this? It was a bracelet. I Am Second. Have you heard of that, Rodney?
0: No, I have not.
2: Well, what I Am Second is about is I am not God. I am, God is first.
1: Hmm. I
2: am the creature, not the creator. Nothing I can do can, outside of seeking and serving and surrendering and being accountable and having character, which means the quality developed into a person's life that determines his thoughts, his feelings, his actions, regardless of circumstances or situations. So what they're saying is if you think you should vote no, if it is wrong for you and you should say no, that you don't say yes just because ten more people did. That just because half of the school, the parents in half of school, are not concerned about their child, that doesn't make it okay for you not to be. Because that's what we need, people to start standing up and say, oh, no, I won't go for that. And what will happen is someone's waiting on you to stand up. Someone's waiting on you to to say something. Don't believe it. Next time you're at the club, the the floor is empty, get up and start dancing. Watch it fill up. No different. No different. On that, I'll be quiet, and I'm going to pass it back to you.
0: <laughs> We're going to end with this. Right now, there is a lot of turmoil in our country, in our states, in our cities. Our schools are suffering. Our test scores are low in most schools or school districts. Parents aren't doing everything that their children need them to be doing. We're seeing kids murder kids. We're hearing about kids raping kids. And the people who are affected the most can do the least. And that is our children. When we make poor decisions as adults, we are impacted by them. But a child somewhere is suffering more. Than the adults. When policies are put put in place in schools, if the policy is great, the children will succeed. If the policy is no good at all, it becomes very difficult for the children to meet the mark. we can sit and we can talk all day long. But until some Rosa Parks, some Harriet Tubman's, some Martin Luther King's, some abolitionists, some Jesus Christ's, some Moses's, until the spirit of our forefathers, our ancestors, rise up in all of us, we are going to continue to go backwards and the people who are going to suffer the most are our children. If you care about your child, your children, if you care about children in general, When this show is over, tonight, tomorrow, this week, think about what it is that you can do to make life better for them. As adults, we've had our chance. They still have one. What are we going to do about it? Thanks again for tuning in tonight. We appreciate it. Whether you're listening in Tennessee, Virginia, um, I know uh, people are listening from all over New York, New Jersey. I had uh, uh, some people to tell me that they will be calling in, so we appreciate you, Tammy. Thanks again for doing the show and having me on. It has been a blessing to me, and I hope that it has been a blessing to all of our listeners tonight.
2: Thank you, and 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 you guys remember that we're still on Monday night as well, and, and Rodney will be doing tuesday nights and pretty soon i'll just kind of be in and out i'll try to do as many shows with him as possible but i'm sure he'll start to have guests as well and things like that so support both nights if you are able to and remember all shows are archived share this show with someone tomorrow and let them know how to listen um they can do that anytime 24 7 they can pull up the archive show and listen so Thank you, Rodney. Um, thank you for just being an awesome teacher, an awesome man. Um, just thank you for all that you do. Your, your heart and your passion speaks volumes. So thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning in. And, Rodney, if you don't have anything else, we're all over, we're over our recorded time anyway. So um, <laughs> we'll end there.
0: We'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night.
2: Have a good night, everyone.
1: It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes it will. It's been too hard to living, but I'm afraid to die. Beyond the sky It's been a long A long time coming But I know